Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. We're sitting here with Arthur Solomon. He works with Caldwell Banker in the Springfield, Ohio area, and he's an investor as well. They have a veteran-owned real estate investment company. So, Arthur, we'd like to just jump right into this. So why don't you just start us off by telling us one of the craziest real estate stories or transactions you've ever faced? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, really excited to talk to you guys today. Audience, some value, hopefully. Uh, craziest stories, you know, real estate, every deal is different. So that's that's one thing I like about this business. Every deal is different. Not, not always a good deal, but, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. And we just bought a house. My wife and I, we just moved, had a second, second child. And we were we just bought this house here where we're at now in Springfield near the country club. And a couple, you know, two weeks before closing, we thought we had an understanding with the seller. I, I represented myself, but the uh, agent in my office represented the seller. And we had worked out that I was going to put in a hot tub ahead of time because I was getting it delivered to my other house. We weren't expecting to move. And it was like a 12 week wait anyways. So we got over here. I spent like a grand just out of my own money to wire up this uh, electrical box uh, in the back. So we made an improvement to the property and the day of the delivery, we still hadn't closed. We still had like a week to go and neighbor shows up. She's like, I'm calling the cops. You guys haven't bought the house, this and this ended up calling the cops. And uh, I was like, well, you know, nice to meet you. I guess we're going to be neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) She's not my direct neighbor, but she's around the corner. So it's her and this lady that lived here before and they were real good friends and kind of looking after one another or whatever. So, uh, that was an interesting one just a couple months ago. I'm so glad we got through that closing and we were finally moved in. So uh, I've, I've got a ton of stories. I mean, that's just, that's just one that just came off the, like, just just like that. But I've had a bunch of other ones that I could talk about forever. But I'm sure, you know, we don't have enough time for that. Right, right. Well, it's, it's fun, I think, to give our listeners the true concept of what real estate's like. I mean, there's the gurus out there that are selling all the courses for tons of money and saying, you know, it's, it's easy. It'll happen automatically. But for people that are in the trenches, we know it's different, right? We know that, yes, there's a lot of opportunity out there, but it comes in solving crazy problems. So um, that being said, let's kind of transition to, obviously you're doing well now, but I'm sure there might've been times where it wasn't always that way, or where even if you were being financially successful, there's some challenges. Kind of take us into one of the, maybe the darker points in your journey, what that was like and how you got through it. Yeah, excellent question. So it was actually the darkest time during, um, when I got into real estate was kind of a 2000, 2009, uh, I bought my first house. And, you know, at that time, the bottom was falling. You know, people were just trying to sell their property and trying to get as much money as they could. And at that time, you know, there was Springfield, Ohio, we're a tertiary market. So our market really took a hit. We're in the Rust Belt here in Ohio. So we had an excess amount of homes at that time. So my dad lost his foot. He was diabetic, got gangrene, was a sales guy, travel sales guy, couldn't travel anymore. So like, here we go to, you know, donating plasma twice a week and going to the food pantry. And like, it was, it was tough during that time. You know, I had roommates, I was house hacking, had two jobs. I was going to school full time um, at Wittenberg University here in Springfield. And like we needed to do something because like my dad was making good money. All of a sudden, you know, I got three other siblings. I'm the oldest. So we had to, you know, we got into real estate. We started doing, uh, we did our first house on uh, 418 Northwestern Avenue, Springfield, Ohio, right by Snyder Park. 
and picked it up for, at an auction for like 30, put like 10 into it and sold it on, uh, sold it, it underappraised at that time too, by 10 grand. We did a second loan to the, like basically a land contract for 10 grand for the remaining portion that underappraised ended up making on that deal like 25 grand. We're like, whoa, man, this is like, imagine if we just do like one house a month. At that time, it was like one time, one house every like three, four months. Now, then it was like one, one house a month and then it just keep progressing. But the worst time is when we got started. We didn't know what we were doing. Like we didn't, I, we don't come from that. I'm an immigrant. We came here with, no, with nothing uh, in 2001. My family did. So it, was, it wasn't anything new because we always like, we moved to America. You know, that's like a big experience too. You know, you got to learn the culture, learn the language. And learn, you know what I mean? Everything is different. So I guess I'm accustomed to the change and through, we just learned, you know, we just had bad contracts. I don't know how many contracts I went through. I don't know how many phone calls I've made, how much time that I've actually spent doing the work. Um, actually, you know, with the tools and that's how I learned, you know, how any real estate investor or real estate agent, like I didn't know how to do real estate and be a real estate agent. You know, here we are eight years later. So it's, I don't know. That's the perfect action. Perfect yeah. action. Yeah. So if you stick with it, the hard times, it'll like I look back and it's so rewarding now. Mm, totally. And so you essentially got in the real estate game to solve a problem that came up because of the situation that happened with your dad. Yeah. And yeah. that that was when you pivoted to real estate? Out of necessity, yeah. And then I I was gonna be a dentist. Wow. I was planning to go to dental school and that just wasn't my track. I didn't enjoy that. And this opportunity came and you know, went with it. Wow. How cool is that? I, I love that you mentioned the house hacking and donating plasma and stuff like that, um, because this is also a constant that we see with our guests, that um, people that are successful, they're willing to do anything that it takes, anything at all. They will do whatever it takes to make their dreams come true. Um, so let's jump into this. Um, when you got started at real estate, what were the expectations like? versus the reality of the experience yeah i think a lot of people think it's like glamour and you start making money from day one and i guess we were kind of tainted because we came in and did the, this first deal in like three months and uh i, I guess the expectation was it wasn't going to be that easy like my first rental property that i bought was 2012 in dayton ohio and it was an 8600 house and i got the kit i had good credit thanks to my mom i had good credit she put me on when I was young on the credit card. Like, so they were sending me this like 10,000 interest free for 12 months. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to buy that, fix it up. Did the work myself. Me and my brother at that time learned a lot. Connected. Matter of fact, this is a funny story at this house at 79 East Norman. It was the first house we plumbed everything. All the copper was gone. All the electric was gone, that kind of stuff. But the, but the kitchen was nice. Roof was good. Windows were updated. Big house, four bedroom, two bath, full basement, two car garage. And we did the plumbing and I connected the toilet upstairs in the hallway bathroom. It was a hot, a hot line instead of a cold line. <laughs> so my tenants, I didn't even know. My tenants called me. They're like, hey, uh, do you know this toilet's like hot water? I was like, no, I didn't know that. They're like, yeah, we like it. Thanks <laughs> for doing it. <laughs> like, like, morning, you go to the bathroom and a toilet. <laughs> You get a nice, nice little warm. It's like a warm shower. It's a luxury feature, actually. <laughs> that was planned. <laughs> How funny! That's awesome. Yeah, and and so diving into like, so you you immigrated to America, 
Tell me, tell me what that was like. And how was that like in contrast to completely switching industries on the fly in one of the craziest markets that we've been in in the last 13 years? Yeah, great question. I think it's just the being able to adapt, you know, you're diving out of an airplane essentially and mm-hmm. figure it out on the way down. So mm-hmm. it, I feel in that regard, it was very similar. You know, it's just taking a risk, taking a risk in yourself and telling yourself, I'm going to do it no matter what, like whatever it takes, like you said. And I live by that. I don't let my excuses dictate my life. You know, I don't like up every morning and hitting the gym or, you know what I mean? Like doing that stuff, but I do enjoy it, but I don't enjoy doing it every single day, maybe, you know, and it's just like, but you have to listen to put the work in. And I feel like that consistency, if you can be consistent in something, I, I was never a student, nothing like that. I was just like B, B student, B minus, you know, on average, did, you know, did okay, passed. But I'm not the, I'm not the smartest guy, I'll tell you that, but I'll, I'll work the majority of the people just because, you know, I just, there's no stop. There's just no stop until I either get it or I die. I'm going to keep grinding mm-hmm. and keep at it. So it all starts in the mind. Is that it? An, an average, an average person. I know a lot of people that are just like average grades, average, you know, no, no inheritance, nothing like that, but they're killing in real estate. And these guys are mm-hmm. some of the guys that I know. Some of them didn't even finish college or high school, you know, um, my my buddy Brent Franklin, I was just watching his video right before I got on with you guys. You know Brent out of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to look him up, and your audience should look him up too. Brent, Franklin, not Ben, like Ben Franklin, but Brent Franklin. But <laughs> nice. He's doing oil deals in Texas. I mean, this guy didn't didn't do high school. I just met him in Destin at an event mm-hmm. with Chris. And great story, man. I mean, just like super successful guy, very smart guy can see around the corner of what's going what's coming and um you got to surround yourself with those kind of people you know that's another thing if you want to be where you where you like you you have a vision for where you want to be surround yourself with that person that you want to be spend time with those kind of people you know and that's always that's always something i've i've implemented i always will try to add value to somebody and then i see the level that they're on you know what can i do for you and then they're like man what can i do for you you know you can put in so much value and then they want to help you. And some of the most successful people when we got started, like we, I had some mentors that, that were doing it, that I was able to learn from. And they were like, call me if you have any questions, you want to bounce some ideas, um, call me. You know, I've got contractors, I've got friends, I've got realtor, I've got, you know, so. Love it. So your mindset, the never quit, whatever it takes mindset, is that something you were born with or is that something that you developed? Uh, huh. I don't know. I, I, I'm ADHD. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm like all over the place. Very common in this industry. Like, uh, have a, like, I've had a boss. I've learned a lot. I had jobs. I was cashier. Did the class. So I think I'm very, I'm disciplined in like important stuff. But I'm like all over the place. I can't like I, I would hate mm-hmm. being an employee. Like I, I have ideas. I want to implement and I want to try it. So I think to a degree. And I was the oldest too. So I was always in charge. You know, like stuff needs to get done. You know, it falls back on me. So I think, I think both, probably both. Yeah. When, when did you become aware that like, I mean, you had what it take, took to essentially make it through anything. I mean, migrating to a new co- country and starting off at a real estate market that historically was really, really bad. 
and you had to do it on a whim. I mean, those are both pretty large adaptations. I don't know. We just got into the first deal and then we kind of learned from the first deal. And then that gave us a lot of confidence. So we just have to take the leap of faith. I mean, it was uncomfortable to put, put up all that money in, in, in that kind of market. Uh, well, we didn't know we we're going to sell it for and it got cut short, obviously. So we, we got lucky in that deal because we were able to make some money and um, just gain more confidence through doing more deals. Of course. Yeah. And that's generally the natural progression of the way things work. Um, you mentioned getting uncomfortable, which I love. Um, let's just let me pick your brain a little bit um, for the audience out there. Somebody that might be a little fearful of getting out there and getting a little uncomfortable. What would you say to that person? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people, especially now. They're like, hey, I want to get in the real estate. Like, how can I how can I get in the real estate all the time? Like whether it's investors or like realtors and their grandmother, like, you, you know how it is. Everyone wants to get in the real estate. They think it's the easiest money in the world. Like all we do is turn a key or write the contract, you know, don't do any, but that's the misconception, you know, behind the scenes, we do so much as you know. Um, I don't know. I think you just need to start. Like you need to find, find good books. You need to find some people to that, that, or that know that business and invest, invest. You might like people like, well, $500 is too much to go on a, on to like a mastermind, but it's not too expensive to buy a big TV or something or like brand new Nikes or something, you know, Jim Rohn talks about this all the time. He said he can tell by a person how wealthy they are, whether they have a big screen TV or a library. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I've got a small TV in my house. I've had this TV for 10 years. You know, I ride around in a 2006 Lexus RX 330. You know, I, I can afford way more but i don't i don't want like it wouldn't give me more pleasure like owning a lamborghini i wouldn't own it because i beat it up you know i know how i ride and they would be beat <laughs> up and scratched up and be like <laughs> you fix it all the time so uh you just need to get started i think that's that's ultimately it and be committed to it it's not going to come over the, you know in one day or one month or even one year but you'll see a lot of progress in one year if you stay committed and consistent to it every single day just like i tell my team in my real estate uh, sales on my real estate sales team we'll have an office meeting we were just talking about this on monday and you know the two hours for example of prospecting you're, you're there like treat it just like you were to go to the gym treat it just like you were going to spend time with your wife treat it just like it was that important to you there's no, there's nothing else like don't answer the phone at that time if you're prospecting like make it sacred it's a sacred time and if you stay that committed to it there's no there's no way you cannot succeed and you can be an average person with an average IQ and and do do really really well in this business. There's no there's no limit to it. Yeah, I mean it, what you're saying too is so valuable. Cut out commercial, like your your just your material desires, cut them out for a time so you can spend all that money on education and cut out, you know, just wasting your time on TV and then you've got your time back and you got your money back. And I mean, it doesn't take much, like you said. If you're putting if you're putting the work in and you're implementing what you're learning, it just does not take much to get successful. Just a couple of rentals. I mean, for me at that time, I, I just wanted to have my goal. Original goal was three thousand a month. If I could just supplement the three thousand a month, mm -hmm. that's everything. I got I'm saving, putting some money away, doing different things. But that was like my minimum thing. And then you get to that mm -hmm. level, like man, like that was not that didn't take as long. Like that, my goal was like do like two a year. And I mean, which is much, much quicker, you know, 
and we all we we haven't used a bank at all like we we've used just we flip make enough put it right back in and get some more rentals type of deal and you know with the interest rate going up now that's it's going to make it a little bit more challenging but we we were we were planning to kind of borrow more money so we can do more deals but we've just been using our own cash for everything but you know you once you get to that level you know when, that's not starting out but that's more like high, high level how, how do you diversify how do you leverage your money you know that's mm-hmm. that's something we're working on right now in scaling our business is leveraging more of our assets um so we've got like properties that we're going to refinance pull some money out obviously not as good but it's it's still relatively cheap it's not 18 percent like we had in like 1984 or, you know in the 80s so totally yeah i mean it, it, perspective is everything and if you if you look at it only from the limited time window we have over the last 10 years it's it's such an interesting window because it's such a small part of the picture like you said bringing in the 18 percent 18 percent is catastrophic compared to six percent um, we're, we're, my understanding is we're not even really hitting historical average yet. I think historical average, right, is between six and seven percent. We're actually still even at where we're at. We're in, we're in a good spot. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. So if you, there's still going to be good deals, no matter what the market is. There's still going to be people getting evicted, people still dying, people getting divorced, people getting married. So none of that's going to change at all. So interest rate will change though. Totally. How many more times five this year? The Fed probably going to be pretty aggressive. So it's it's going to get it's going to get crazy. I mean, I, the one thing I will say is that essentially we've been we built the prices around these the low rates. The fact that they they were held low for so long, we allowed those prices to be a part of that. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what correction will happen as far as prices go. So. You know, which obviously if prices change, it could be a huge benefit for investors, particularly ones who are paying cash. So I, I, I anticipate on the investing side, there's going to be more opportunity coming in the next couple of years than we've, we've seen in a long time. Are you guys seeing a lot of hedge funds coming in into your market and buying up some of those properties cash over asking price? Yeah. I, yeah. And it's really interesting too, kind of, kind of like talking to them and seeing like why that's the case. You know, it's like, the the part of me that's like not as experienced like thinking about the now says why would you ever come in and buy homes in bulk right now at maybe the high point of the market but the part of me that's able to kind of step aside for that and maybe see the future it's like well we're building way less homes than we have people and with like there's just there's a much bigger play happening and it's it's really been fun to cause my man my mind to expand to see like you know, what, what, what does the future look like and why are these guys doing this? Interesting comment here. Um, I actually work with a hedge fund um, in, in the area um, called Home Partners. If you're familiar with the program, they were purchased by Blackstone last summer. Um, but anyways, they just yesterday dialed back um, their purchase criteria, about 75% in our market. Um, and obviously, this is a company associated with Blackstone. They know what they're doing. Um, they are projecting something changing in the very near future without a doubt. Okay. So when you say dial back 75%, you're saying that essentially they're going to reduce the amount of homes you buy by 75% or they're just, they have to have a certain amount lower on their, their acquisitions. Um, great question. So yesterday there were 450 homes approved in the Chicago market they were, that they would purchase if I found them a, a tenant mm-hmm. for it. As of today, there's 140 
Um, so that's where I got the 75. So literally 75% less volume. Yes, precisely. We're a tertiary market over here where I'm at. I really haven't seen the, the hedge funds come in yet. But Columbus, it's we have we sold a house over there for like thirty thousand over asking price, as is twenty mm-hmm. Texas. And I mean it was the smoothest transaction ever. And it was cash and super clean. Everyone was happy. But you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting statistic. Thank you for bringing that up. Because I didn't even know that. Because I was at that event with uh, Carlos Reyes. You guys oh, know okay. Carlos? Of course. Yeah. I know I know of him. Yeah. He, he was grilling me. I was in the front row. He's like, What's your KPI? What's <laughs> What's your, <laughs> what's your, you know, what's your acquisition cost? What I was like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I need, I need to sharpen up, man. I, I'm trying to get the Carlos level. That's somebody I'd love to, and we're part of his program there, the, the program cool. he's got. So he's an awesome guy. But that's an interesting statistic. They were talking about guys that they brought, that Carlos brought. They're doing a bunch of sales. They're finding these homes with the wholesaling these homes to the hedge funds, and it's the easiest transactions ever. And they can skip trace oh, and yeah. they got awesome skip tracing companies. So it's really cool. We'll see what happens. I think the market will have to adjust. It, it will have to adjust. But I don't know if the prices are going to keep coming down with all this inflation. I, I guess that's the question. Are the prices really going to come down this time? Or are we going to stay pretty stable? And Yeah, it's a million dollar question. You got so many competing factors. Like you have the fact that they, we don't have enough inventory, which obviously could change if everybody has to sell. But we don't have enough inventory. We have inflation. There's like a, a handful of factors that are strong indicators that prices will go up. And then there's some crazy huge indicators that prices are going to collapse. And it's like, what's it going to be? Like I just saw a, a post today where they were they were showing the number of homes or, or loan volumes in the billions of people who had credit scores below 620 in the, the last crash. And it was like three, it looks like there's about three times higher than the number of people that have loans right now that are below 620. So the credit score rate ratio of people now is way better than the credit scores that we had going in the crash. So like, it's just, it's like walking through a minefield of information where you see one thing that's like markets going up, you see another thing, the market's going to tank. It's, it's really a lot of competing factors. I think the demand drives all, you know, you might have but if the dollar collapses, like, you know, you, you already see Russia, like they, they went back to the gold standard. I don't know if that, just like a month ago, but we, we went off the gold standard in 1971 and that's where it became fiat. You know, we're just printing money. It has no value to it. So say you sell your house, a piece of real estate, a piece of the spinning rock, and then you got cash and then it's worthless by the second. That's not a good proposition. So I can see why someone, you know, I'm a realtor. Obviously we want to help people sell and move. Help them buy as well, because if you don't, if you if you have sellers that are unwilling to to sell their house right now because they're uncertain whether their dollars are going to be devalued tomorrow, versus owning a piece of real estate, well, I think that's going to be interesting to see what this this next six to twelve months will will bring. They're talking about food shortages. They're talking about I was just got a year worth of MRE battery with a solar thing on it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm good assets. Like I'm not buying no boats. I'm not buying no new car. I'm not buying none of that stuff. I'm buying like stuff that. Like twenty seven thousand seeds just bought today. I was like, "What? Come on, while I still can." <laughs> full, full. I, it's crazy. Like you know, I'm not naturally a prepper, but like, it, it, there's some things going on where it's like maybe maybe we should prepare. I'm, I'm so glad you're taking action. You know, like we've been going to the store and they're already getting short again on toilet paper and some of the essentials. It's kind of a wild thing. 
Yeah, baby formula. There's like a big deal with baby mm-hmm. formula. It's hard to find baby formula right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, the shortages are coming. Um, yeah, food processing plants. Did you, have you guys been paying attention to the food processing plants all across the country? Yeah. Some, something's going on. Bill Bill Gates might know. Call Bill. Let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure he'll answer us right up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so cool. I mean, so let's dial this back a little bit because there is a constant in, in your answers that I'm sensing. Um, so you mentioned putting yourself around the right people. So there's the old adage, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. Um, so you mentioned you're with Carlos Reyes's group, which, you know, obviously uh, most people in the industry have heard the name. Um, who would you consider your most important professional mentor in your career thus far? Yeah, great question. I've had so many. Um, so when I first got in the business, uh, I joined Jim Rediger at Rediger Realty. This is back in 2014. This is just on my real estate sales um, side of the business. And well, I've learned so much from Jim Rediger and Mike and Linda Knox. Uh, they've always just been like, you know, you walk in, you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, and they just pour into you. And, and Diane Erickson, you know, I just go down the line. Like, And now I've been with uh, my coach. She's out of Salt Lake City. Uh, Jason Critchfield. I've been with him with uh, Tom Ferry Coaching and Consulting. I was with Corcoran Coaching and Consulting. So there's so much value in a coach. Like, And, you know, Grant Cardone talks about this. He says, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, you know what? If I pay, if I personally paid, I'd probably feel more, like, obligated to do it and be accountable. And, like, so I won't lose how to coach. I, for the last seven years, been in the business eight, but for seven, the past seven years, I always had a coach, like, Try, try to get me on, on where I need to be, hit my goals. You know, what kind of team do I need? What kind of scripts are we reading? You know, what are we focusing? What pay-per-click or like what, what's our marketing plan like and like all these different things. You know, you look at Tiger Woods, he had a coach. Michael Jordan, he had a coach. Mike Tyson, he had a coach. You look at some of these great people. So I, Jim Rohn always says this, never begrudge the money you spend on your personal development. And, I, you know, that, I heard that back in 2015, changed my life. Jim Rohn, he's not even a real estate mentor, but Jim, Jim Rohn, I, I watched this two hour and four minute long seminar that's on YouTube, changed my life. Jim Rohn is always dropping dimes, man. Um, Jim Rohn is really like, he's like the king of self-improvement, if you ask me. Um, just about anybody right now came from Jim Rohn from some capacity. Like even um, think of the top guru right now. The, the most similar to Jim Rohn would um, be Tony Robbins, right? But he learned yeah. from Jim Rohn. So, I mean, that's where he got it from. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff there. Um, small pivot. Well, um, if I could, if I can, if I could stop you before we did it, Tim. So you you mentioned that you learned from Jim Rohn, non real estate guy, Com Ferry organization, a guy who, to my knowledge, has not sold a house. And these are some of the most influential people. Like it just shows you how important like strategy is as a whole and mindset more than the particulars. I know we get talk asked a lot about like, okay, what exact strategy should you do? It's like the greatest people I've learned from have never sold a house. And yet the advice they've given me has translated into success far more sometimes in the tactical strategies I get from people. It, I can definitely relate to that. That's an excellent point. You, you, you have to like, you have to read different kinds of books and Jim Rohn is just one of the people, but yes, he's influenced so many different other, uh, other people, but you know, there, there's so much different information out there, different knowledge. 
that's one of the things of having a mentor. Like, I don't have to be like, hey, what do I do in this situation? He'll be like, hey, go read this book. Like, The Miracle Morning. Go read that book and apply three principles and tell me how those went. Okay, cool. Or uh, <laughs> a real estate yep. agent. And, like, that's an awesome book. Real estate, uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Awesome book. Um, so I, I just feel like there's so many good, good resources. That, you know, in today's world, you can't say, like, well, I don't have the information because that's nonsense. The only reason why someone's not successful is because mindset and because they don't do, do the work. The information's out there. Like, it's not information. It's, it's, it's a lack of enthusiasm. It's a lack of... As you were stating, um, first off, pretty much anything you need to know is free on YouTube, right? So, I mean, there's obviously paid courses that are more organized and detailed and you could get the coaching support that you need, but anything you need to learn is freely available. And as you mentioned, you could, you know, pick the brain of the smartest people in the past century because most of them have written a book and you could literally associate yourself with their thoughts. Um, So I love that. Um, Let's kind of get into a mindset shift here because you started out as an investor and obviously you have a successful real estate traditional retail career now. You said you're building a team. Can we talk about the mindset shift that you went through going from being an investor to a realtor? And then let's just go even deeper and say um, what the mindset shift was like to be a team lead after that. Yeah, awesome. So when I first got started, we didn't have any money. So I had to do all the work myself. So it was just me. So I didn't have to be responsible for anyone else, for anyone else's paycheck, you know, for their families, being able to pay their mortgage and stuff like that. So at that time, it was just me. Um, then we ended up a bit. So we had to hire people out because we were doing multiple projects because the money was going to cost us a lot more if we just we just had the money on a hard money loan, stuff like that. So then we had to like implement a team. So that forced me to uh, be able to delegate, be able to have a good system, good communication. Uh, so that taught me a lot, uh, from just doing the rental stuff, you know, getting my rentals going. Um, and then eventually we were, we were buying, buying houses and it just made sense for us because we were like paying a commission every single time. And I had some of these agents that would never even return my call. Like, I, I, mm. so, like why are they not picking up their phones? You can't business if you're not picking up your phone. So it, it was frustrating, you know, and like there's a deal that just came on the market and I can't reach the, I can't reach that realtor. A lot of times we worked with, you know, whoever the listing agent is and we try to save some commission that way and stuff like that. Um, so it was just, it just made sense to go get the license. Um, my brother, in fact, he paid for it. He's like, he, he's like, here you go. He, it wasn't even a gift or he's like, I just paid for it. You just go, go and take it. And I was like, cool, man. I appreciate that. Cause I didn't, I didn't even have the 1500 bucks at that time. Like I was really paycheck to paycheck, you know, just trying to survive at that time. Uh, but I always had belief that we were going to make it. So um, after that, my, you know, after my brother retired from, from the military, he was in the Navy for eight years. He ended up moving back. So I wasn't the only boots on the ground at that time. So now he's running our operation, doing acquisition disposition. He's running like everything. I just make sure we, we pick him up, we find him, we call him, the whole nine, we follow up the whole nine yards. And then after that, we have our crews. Um, we have a fantastic crew right now and we've been so lucky and blessed to have, we ran through so many contractors um, that, you know, in this business, that's one of the bigger problems is, is getting good help and good, good people just focus on doing one thing, uh, which for me, if I just stay prospecting, like everything else takes care of itself. Cause then we have the deal and the contractor can do the deals. Then we all get, so everyone breaks bread. Um, so when I got into, uh, when I got my license after, 
Uh, my brother paid for it. I got my license. Uh, the first deal I ever did was my flip. I did, I did all the work on at 3186 Wales Drive in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Bought it on terms, 5000 bucks down, put my money, like 15000 bucks up of my own money that I took off from the credit card, zero, zero interest loan. So I did Peter, Peter to pay Paul. So once the first one ran out, the second one cut off and just keep it rolling. Uh, so I borrowed the money. And at that time, the market was still kind of, you know, it was still like a balanced market, maybe a buyer's market. Some area. And this was like a, this was a nice neighborhood. But um, I put my, that was my first listing. And, I, you know, I went through the process, kind of learned. I was going to do it for sale by owner. And I didn't know anything about these. This is before I took my exams and everything. And my classes, like property disclosure, I ran, I read, I found one residential property disclosure in Ohio and I typed out the whole thing question by question. And, uh, and <laughs> it was a mess. I did the whole thing myself and I did it wrong. And, and once I got my license, I'm like, man, they already, this is a standard form in the state of Ohio. So here's the form. Um, so buying so many houses and you have so many clients, people want your help. They're like, how are you doing this? How are you flipping these houses? How are you doing the rentals? Uh, what can I do? How can I help? And then eventually it becomes so much, you're getting referrals, you get a new business, you're prospecting, getting busy. In order to service your clients well, which is what I'm focused on, we, we, it's a full service. We're a full service stop shop. Like we'll take everything. You need, you need something rented, you need a contractor, like call us. We're number one. We're, we're, we'll help you out in any way that we can. So it, it got so, we got so busy that in order to provide that good customer service, I had to build a team. So for the last six years, I always had like a transaction coordinator, office manager that takes care of the paperwork. You know what I mean? Different, different things for the team. Uh, and now we've been able to, cause now we've got a good system that I was able to bring in some good people to help me with some of these. Well, so it's been a hard I'm not a broker. I actually took all my classes to do the brokerage, to take the exam. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with Coldwell Banker. I'm happy with, with the setup that we've got and we capped out already last month. So now we're just paying straight percent to New Jersey Coldwell Banker, the corporate office. And, uh, but we're capped out. So I'm happy about that. You know, in sales, it's always a good time when you cap out. We had a big party and everything. Cap out party. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. How cool. So you mentioned earlier that you have ADD or ADHD. Like, I'm super curious. Like, you've been very successful. How did you kind of deal through that? I mean, for people that don't have ADD, we're, we're in a shiny object industry where we're being marketed to an insane amount. Having ADD and being in a shiny squirrel, you know, industry, I can only imagine amplifies that to another magnitude. What have you done or how have you coped with that and been able to get focused and and become successful? I honestly think that being like always all the time, like all over the place, like good thing to be honest with you. I don't, that's why like classroom, Mm. I... (laughs) I'm a B student. I'm not like, I'm not sitting just doing this. I'm thinking I got different thoughts. Like I'm sitting in the classroom, but I'm thinking about other things. Like I used to sell golf balls. I was 12 years old when we first moved to, to Scottsdale, Arizona, for example, I'm sitting there in the classroom and I would think about how many golf balls I'm going to go sell today and find and where I'm going to go. And you know, how much money I'm going to make today. And what, I, what, like I wanted to buy a camera. I wanted to buy a skateboard. I, you know, I wanted to buy my own thing. So to me, it was like, I'm sitting there, I'm paying attention somewhat, but I'm also thinking like different, I'm zoning, like I'm, I'm writing stuff down in my notebook, different things. So I don't, I don't think people treat it like it's some, some maybe, and to some degree there is like ADHD to where like you can't concentrate at all. But for me, it's like, I'm all over the place, but I still am like, 
I'm heading, I'm heading this direction. It may not be like me sitting there doing it, like just like a straight line. Yeah. It's going to bounce around, and stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I tell you, because I write it. one of the things that helps me is I have to write everything down. Like I'm sitting here right now. I've got my notebook. Yeah. I've got, I'll just sit there and I got, I got an idea. I'll put stuff on my hand. I got, you know what I mean? I just have to like get it off mm-hmm. my mind. Then, then it will drive you crazy. If you can't like, all these things all the time everywhere and you can't jot them down and like that that's when it might become a problem but if you actually write it down get out mm-hmm. of your head, paper like jim Rohn says then you're going to be much more organized and and have clear thought and um that's really helped me a lot so for, for anyone that does have a dhd i would definitely recommend writing it down that's, try it as a fellow person with add I could highly relate to that. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> writing shit down is so crucial to my ability to get stuff done. Um, I really want to ask you this question because I think people with ADD um, tend to be more outside of the box thinkers. I think they're better at making connections to things that are not actually connected um, than you know your standard person. Do you think along the same lines as I do? I, th- I think so. Yeah. Some of the, some of the most successful people that I know, they're kind of all over the place. Now you look at doctors and like my attorneys and stuff, those guys are like very, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're ADD. I think in this session, you almost, because you're juggling deals, right? If you have a property contract, one is just one in the contract. This one is about to close. This one's about going through inspections. This one's negotiating inspections. You know what I mean? You're prospecting this stuff. Like there's so much st- stuff going on. It, and that's I think why I was attracted to it. Cause I was like, you know, I can handle them. Like it's always like juggling all this madness all the time. And with ADHD, I feel yeah. like you're doing the same thing. So <laughs> yeah, kind of, <laughs> but for me, that was one of the biggest things uh, was just writing stuff down and being able to like, just sit there on my thought, just sit there and just relax and calm down and, it's like stop thinking about everything. You do have to take that time for your, like meditation or like for some people it's exercise or just taking mm-hmm. a jump. Just clearing yeah. your mind. I love that you're getting into that. Um, I, obviously, you know, focus is one of the things. Everybody thinks lack of focus is the biggest problem with ADD and that's not necessarily the case. Um, but let me ask you this. Um, do you find yourself often doing four to five things at the same time and not finishing all of them? Well, if it's important, you'll finish it. Oh, obviously. Yeah. If it's important enough. Yeah. So if, if you just let it keep sliding and keep adding it next day and next day and next day, like, I feel like that would be frustrating, but yeah, I think, I think you do have to like, am I doing four or five things right now? No, like I'm writing, maybe writing stuff down, talking to you guys. Um, but I'm, you know, I have to open the door. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think if you're, for example, prospecting prospecting is the perfect example if you're distracted and you adhd during that two hours it's not gonna be it's not gonna go well like i know when i need to be focused and i know times when i can be like flexible and doing things yeah like if i can be doing things i love to multitask like if i'm i like to go kayaking we got a river right here mad river and uh i'll be on the phone like i'll have my uh headphones in and i'll be on the river like floating down and i'll still be making deals i can't tell you how many deals i close by <laughs> so you can walk, like, i can walk and chew gum at the same time you know yeah so 
<laughs> let me let me just ask one more ADD question because I think this is something that people also fail to realize about it. People tend to have difficulty focusing on things that they're not interested in. But if you're really, really interested in something, do you ever find yourself in a state of hyper focus where you almost are unable to pull yourself out of it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you're really interested in it, yeah, it's like oh, I got to do this one more thing. I got to make one more call. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. Oh, cool. Let's transition a little bit. And for, for somebody that's kind of getting started and they've hit their dark time, you know, they just had a, say a life event that's hit them in the middle of them getting started. What would be a piece of advice and what would be an action you would, you would ask them to take if they want to get through that and become successful? That's, that's a really good question, you know, and you know, life happens. Life happens. You've had tragic events happen. I don't think that you can stay in that place too long. I mean, if it's something, I think you have to force yourself out of it. You have to force yourself, your body, your mind out of it. Maybe if you're like sitting at home and you're like, you're not feeling well about it, maybe get out of your house. Maybe, maybe do something different. You know, maybe, maybe you need that new scenery and, uh, uh, maybe a change in your career. You know, if someone is thinking about joining a real estate, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the undisciplined. Like you have in, in this business, the most successful people are very disciplined. They're not the smartest people, but they're very disciplined. So I think you have to start. You have to have a, have a desire to have, have an interest to it. You know, even if you like, you don't have like Jim Rohn talks about the late, um, it gives a story from the Bible and it's a the old lady came over and dropped a penny in, in the church and Jesus like, look, she gave a penny. And they're like, yeah, these people are dropping off all kinds of money, big money. And he's like, no, she gave all that she had. So she, therefore she gave the most. And that stuck with me. Cause I was like, listen, I don't have to be putting up all these big numbers. As long as I'm giving it all I got, I gave it all. I gave it all. I gave it all. I gave it 110%. I can go to sleep easy. My wife always asks me, how do you fall asleep so easy? Because I gave it all today. Mm. It all. Like mm. everything that I had. So if as long as you're able to stay committed and, and you're willing to just go all in, don't go half in. If you want to do real estate, don't go half in because it's going to take you forever to finish the house. It's going to take, you know, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to have a bad tenant and then you're going to want to quit and then sell it. To someone like like us, you know, or like me, you want to sell this house and at a discount, you know. So you have to be all in. You have to be committed, and and once you figure it out, it's it's not a very difficult business. You've mentioned several times now being able to figure shit out on the fly, right? So you mentioned the contract in particular earlier. You were just like, oh, you googled it and you typed it all out yourself, and you just figured things out. Um, I love that. And that's another constant that we see um, has that skill, the ability to troubleshoot and just kind of figure things out as you go. Is that something you feel like you were born with or you developed along the way? Well, I, I think in, in that respect, I think the, the being able to figure it out was probably learning um, from experience, a lot of it or learning from other people. So a lot of it was just fail, fail, fail. And then you finally figured out, you know what I mean? So uh, I just have the capacity of not giving up. Like I failed so many times. I failed more than I've won and I'm failing yeah. every day, you know, but I'm not afraid to fail. 
So I'm, I'm cool with it. Like even today it was dis- like, ha- had a client that sold them a house and uh, they ended up buying a house and they listed their house with this other agent. I was like, you know, that's not, it didn't happen. You know, it's not a good experience. Uh, but that was like, man. So even to this day, you, you, I fail, but I'm okay with that because I've got, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it up in another way. God always provides. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, man. I just don't worry about that stuff. You can't worry about the little issues. You just got to move on, especially in this mm-hmm. business. You got to move on and just look for the next win and look for the next mm-hmm. win. Cause yeah. I look at it like when I started there, when I first started, for example, back in 2014, uh, I'd call the for sale by owners expired, terminated, um, probate someone just died bad tenant all this stuff and for about every 50 calls i would get one appointment okay so now like on it now my my ratio has improved so much now it's like i can make five to ten calls and i can set an appointment i don't need to make 50 like for every 50 conversations that i'm having now it's like 10 conversations and you said set an appointment or every five conversations you said a legitimate bona fide appointment where the to buy a house or to um to sell a house. So I think you it's get incredible. better. Those ratios just get better as you stay consistent. They talk about the 10,000 hour rule. You guys familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah That's so mastery, you, right? Mastery. Right. You become a master at it after 10,000 hours rule of thumb. And I believe that too. You know, even if you're not that smart, totally. as long as you're willing to yep. get numbers in. Got to pay your dues. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that you talk about expireds in for sale by owners. I mean, I I can't even I'd have to like try and think about how many calls we've made, but it's well over a hundred thousand. It, it might be closer to five hundred thousand to those to those lead sources between me and the team. And it's just really, really interesting to see like the the level of nuance that happens at the thousandth call, the five thousandth call, the ten thousandth call and beyond. For those that are willing to not only put the the rep effort in, but are willing to to study the game while putting the effort in, you know, and then they're willing to pick up the extra stuff. Like, how do I get into human psychology? How do I get in these other pieces that start to influence that? It's just, like you said, I mean, you've obviously done it, right? If you're going from 50 conversations to say five or 10, that's a 10 X increase in your income, probably a hundred X increase in your happiness because that's way less rejection. Like there's there, it's like, like a cycle that's incredible to, to see, you know, that, that happened. So, um, and it's just fun to watch. Like it's fun to watch people that are really good at what they do. And it's, it's fun to watch new people come into the space, watch someone who's good at what they do and think that's easy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you have no idea like how, what he said, how he said it, when he said it affects how easy that call went and how easily you could have come in with a slightly more desperate tone and gotten destroyed. Um, but because he's perfected the art of moving people one way or another, it, it just seems flawless, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you read, I used to read these scripts all the time, like Tom Ferry and Mike Ferry, um, he's the dad. I used to read them things for like 20 minutes as loud, fast and loud as I can, with like enthusiasm and like the pause and the whole nine yards. Every, and I would do those for like 20 minutes for like the first three years, every single day, 20 minutes, I'd read them, I'd not just memorize them, I would internalize them. So it would be like, I don't have to follow the script. I can like, you know, I can go based on rhythm and have a conversation. So it sounds more natural than just like a sales call. So that's, that's been very- A hundred, a hundred percent. Could not agree with you more. Use all your mental energy on the call to observe the prospect. And you can't do that if you don't already know the script intimately. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Totally. You know, you have salespeople call. Sales call. I, I hang up on the salespeople, man. You sound like a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Awesome. I want to I want to tap into your market a little bit here. So I live in California, and we invest all over the country. Um, and we I don't hold an Ohio real estate license, but I have a few other licenses. And so one of the things that I've been really having fun with is buying properties in other states and experiencing the benefits of each market. Give us an idea of your of your market being in Springfield. Like, what would you say the main benefits are? Like, some markets like California have insane appreciation. Other markets have great cash flow. Can you kind of tell people, like, if they were to invest in Springfield, like, what, what do they get for their money? So we were just ranked. That's an awesome question. So we have a ton of people from California moving here. And what they're doing is they're paying cash for these properties in Columbus. Columbus is supposed to grow by, like, a million people in the next 10 years. That's 100,000. My city where I'm from, Springfield, the county's got 142,000 people, just for perspective. 60,000 people live in Springfield where I live. And so it's a tertiary market. So we don't really have a lot of appreciation but we do have a lot of great cash flow. So you're buying some of these properties um, relatively cheap per door. And it's very competitive in like in the apartment and the mobile home park storage, stuff like that. But you can still get deals. Uh, but the, you would see typically a higher, um, you know, cash on cash returns in this market. Um, you're seeing a population trending to, you know, people coming over here. We're attracting a lot of people, like I said, from California, from uh, New York. Uh, from some so because of our affordability so you look at affordability and look at cash flow um, and the projected growth of the population I think all of those things can contribute it was just yesterday I read we were number two in the whole country as a state West Virginia was most affordable Ohio was number two can't remember the article I just posted on my Facebook page Uh, but you you look at that and you look at you know Chris Rude one of my one of my mentors he says, you know, people are going to be buying as, as the market. You look at uh, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett owns Clayton Homes. Clayton Homes is a manufacturing home company. And they're the, so these manufactured homes, double wide, three bedroom, two bath, 1,100 square feet, were like 47,000 about a year ago. Now they're like 96,000. I'm like, what? And that's if I bought 20 cash. And that was with the tie in. So they've increased by like two times. So you look at the affordability. Affordability is going to be a big factor moving forward, I think. So Ohio, we have good jobs. We just, uh, Intel is doing a $20 billion chip plant here in Columbus. So we have a lot of good things going on. We have the largest Air Force base here in the country, Wright Pat Air Force Base. Supposedly that's where they took the aliens from Roswell and all this, and they have a research, the whole nine yards. Um, so Ohio is a great place to be. I like it. I like going down the river. There's no alligators. There's no big snakes <laughs> bite me. You know, it's pretty shallow. It's There's no people on the on the lake, on the river, you know, and, the weather's good. We've got the seasons, you know, we've got uh, like our resurgence in this Springfield, the downtown is like, it's going on, man. It's something, something has caught the bug here in Ohio, man. A lot of people are coming over here and they love it. They want to stay. Even investors that just came here to buy some properties. I've got some that just moved out here. So mm. you guys might consider, you know, we've got some, it, mm-hmm. you for half a million bucks, you get that difference in the house here for the, Half a million bucks in California. Totally, probably getting a three-bedroom, one-bath yeah. garage on a slab. <laughs> if you're if you're lucky, depending on where you're at, yeah. Um, so let's do, let's do this question. So if I had a hundred thousand dollars, I'm an investor. Let's say relatively new investor. I got a hundred grand. I want to place it somewhere. How much cash flow can I buy with a hundred grand in Springfield right now? If I get it, 
decent deal. It doesn't have to be the best deal in the world. It doesn't have to be market value. But if, if, if I connected with you and got an off market deal, what sort of cash flow can you get for hundred grand? Okay. I've got a property right now. Uh, we're about to put in a contract. It's a probate deal. 1031, 1033 Thrasher. It's a double. And it's going to be on the market for like 25. You put about 20 to it. It's going to bring in probably 750 a door. It's a two bedroom one bath. There's an extra lot. Fence that in and uh, 750, 750, that's 1500. Uh, you know, expense ratio 50%. You know, that's 750. So that's nine grand. That's nine grand a year. Obviously, vacancy and, you know, grass cutting and water and insurance. And if you're paying any utilities or whatever. Um, and not including any finances. So if you're paying cash, I'm assuming you're paying cash if you got, or you could, you could leverage that money obviously and do, you know, 20. Totally. And so, but if you were just paying cash, say it's 50%, say, say it's, it's probably closer to 66% uh, that you get to keep, say a third of it goes out in expenses in that case. So, but let's just call it 10 grand a year and you're, you've got about 40, 45 in it. So, I mean, on that specific deal right there, you could be looking at potentially like over 20%. Or close yeah. to yeah, yeah. So so really really good returns. I mean, I know you know David Green his book talks about the one percent rule, but by the way that you're saying it, this could potentially be the one and a half percent rule. It, it you know it, if you're getting that kind of deal, like we're going to shoot that to our buyers list, and it'll probably mm -hmm. market. You know what I mean? Type of deal. So yeah that's kind of where, where we're at now. Like we have a buyer's list of people and we just have to make a couple calls or click, you know, send a couple, you know, click a button, send some texts out or email blasts. And so that's kind of where we're at now. We're kind of more transitioning a little bit more expanding, not transitioning, but expanding into uh, more wholesaling. So we have mm -hmm. a lot of wholesale. will call us like we're, we'll be the first call because they know we can close. They know we can close quickly. It's as is. We're not going to lowball you. We know what our numbers are. And it'll be a quick deal. It's either a deal or no deal. If you don't hear within a day, mm -hmm. it's no deal. right? So when they give us the a lot of these wholesalers, they'll call us first, and yeah. uh, that's because we've earned it. Like they they know and they know we'll pay. So I'm not not going to nickel and dime you kind of deal. So yeah, I don't know. That was on a, that was on a tangent, but yeah, that, that's just something that you know, like you guys called, and it was um, was about what those five properties, right? Five properties. It was one in uh, Kingsgate, which we looked at that one. Yep. My guy, looked, he's like, dude, I don't know. There's something going on with that. Uh, maybe we can talk <laughs> record about. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity. It's it's the thought. It's the opportunity. You gave me an opportunity. You know what I mean? And I appreciate that. And my people are the same. So you you send a deal out, let them, let them see it. Let them, you know. <clears throat> they're either gonna buy it or not buy it. So, but it's a good catch. Totally. It's a good return. You just don't see that kind of stuff in California or uh, New York where you've got, you know, house prices where it just doesn't make sense to invest. Unless it's like an Airbnb, something cool, eclectic, you could probably make some money. But so I don't know if you're thinking about it. Let me know. I'll, I'll help you out. You need some comps. Yeah, totally. Stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think one of the cool things is just really like exposing people to what's out there. I mean, I have probably 20 people right now in California. That's like, Hey, I've got this money on the sidelines. I want to do something, but just California real estate doesn't make sense. And I'm like, well, we're buying, you know, in Illinois, we're buying in Ohio. I have one in Canton, like we're buying all over the place. It's like, there's, if you want cash flow, there's a hundred places you could buy and have doubled a quadruple to six times the cash flow you would get here for the same dollar spent. 
And it's not even just the cash flow. It's the fact that you have access to property now because your hundred grand can do something as opposed to California, your hundred grand is not even a down payment. Exactly. So, yeah. So as a new investor, that's something definitely to consider. Don't jump into like a situation where you're going to be cash poor. Like you're going to spend all your money and now you got nothing to play with. That's, are you considering moving from California? You like it out there? You like the weather? You know, I don't, I mean, the weather's tremendous, of course. Um, I don't know that it's a weather that will keep me here as much as family for one. And, but, but like, here's my theory so far. So at first I was really considering a move and then it was like, well, why don't I, since I'm a real estate investor that invests out of state, why don't I buy 10 to 12 homes throughout the country in places that I love? And, you know, because we have an ability now to rent things short term, house hack, et cetera, I, we can just be where we want to be when we want to be there. So that's kind of my current stance on on situation right now is ideally like I have my investments that are cash flow oriented that I would never live in. But for the most part, we're picking strategic places across the country that we can see ourselves spending a couple of weeks in, a month in, two months in. And we're we're targeting those for places that we can we can be in and we can pass down to our kids that they can travel whenever they want. That's awesome. Are you, so that's, are you that's the ideal. Are you doing Airbnbs? Or are you doing buy and holds long-term tenants? Yeah. So like in Tim actually helped me get going in the Illinois market. So uh, Tim and I worked together and he was like, Hey, can you help me close some of these deals that I've got going on? Like I want to get some listings. One of the leads he sent over to me, the guy's like, I don't want to list my property. I want to, I want a cash offer. And I'm like, you just need to understand my cash offer on, on these properties is going to be like a hundred thousand dollars lower than what you're going to get on the market. Like, I would encourage you to go on the market. He's like, I don't care. He's like, basically, more or less, the people that are going to get it aren't going to appreciate it. He's like, I'd rather just be done. And so I called up Tim and I'm like, here's what's going on. Are you okay? If I buy it, I'll still pay you a commission. So we wrote up the deal. Well, that guy had those properties rented by the room instead of by the house. Interesting. And it, I mean, it's, two, two and a half times more rent than we would get if we rented it by the house. It is just wild. So it opened me up to a whole world of, of model that I hadn't considered. And so our Tim and I thought was, we'll run it this way, see how much work it is. And if it's too crazy, then we'll convert them back or sell them or whatever. But um, so we, we do a fair bit of that, um, you know, renting it by the room. And that's, that's sort of house hacking strategy. Very cool. Yeah, it brings me back to my days of living, doing the same thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Totally. So awesome, man. Well, I mean, thanks so much for coming on. Um, and then, Tim, if you'll kind of wrap us up. Absolutely. So, Arthur, um, before we wrap up, anybody listening here that wants to reach out to you looking for somebody in Ohio to help them buy or sell, or perhaps they have um, a great property for you to look at, what would be the best way for our audience to reach out to you? My cell phone number, 937-631-5562. Hit me up. Best way, call or text me. All right. All right. Now you got it. So if you're looking for anything in Ohio, Arthur Solomon is the guy to reach out to. Um, Arthur, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business and to everyone else out there chasing freedom. Freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today. Make sure to implement that in the next seven days and share it with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. 
And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode, and we will catch you on the next one. 